0: Welcome to the Slam Radio podcast featuring Front Page Three Hundred Five. Welcome to Miami, <laughs>
1: ladies and gentlemen. We are here this evening to introduce you to our competitors. ¿Qué pasa, Three Hundred Five? Mari, chuleta.
2: It's Dre Walter. I start the show this week by saying, did the Marlins just screw things up for everyone else? That's the unfortunate opinion some are forming around the country after multiple players and coaches tested positive for the coronavirus over the first weekend of the season. Baseball postponed games in Miami and Philadelphia because of it. Have we reached a point in sports now because of what's happened with our baseball team that we need to reevaluate our principles and put sports on pause?
3: Well, I don't know if we need to reevaluate the entire thing, but I think we do need to reevaluate just the fact that it seems like the sports that are trying to do this in a bubble environment seem to be pulling this off a little bit better. I mean, you look at the way the Marlins, you know, go on the road and all of a sudden either it took this with them from Miami or it originated in Atlanta, wherever it ended up happening. But the truth is it's spreading around the major leagues now. And it, when you look at the NBA, there's a little, you know, I know we had the Lou Williams incident, which, uh, you know, was on the, in the news. But more, more often than not, you can contain, you, ha- you know where everyone's at. They're being tested frequently. And look at, you know, you look at hockey, the same thing. A lot of the players have been tested now as they've come to the bubbles in Canada. And MLS seems to be doing a good job with it as well in Orlando. So I wonder if that's the model that sports need to take. And now it's going to be obviously way more difficult when you look at football and the amount of players that are on rosters, the amount of coaches, And all that. But I wonder if football has to take a long look at this and come up with some method of doing this in a more confined, more controllable environment where you can avoid, you know, an outbreak like this that can happen pretty much overnight the way it's happening. And also, I know we've talked about it off the podcast, but the way baseball is, the nature of baseball, just playing every day, isn't you don't you don't get those results back right away. So a guy could have it three, four days and you have no idea. And that's what's been happening now. Like the Marlins, unfortunately, now it's kind of looking a little bit bad for them. The fact that four guys tested positive and they went ahead and still played a game on Sunday. Then all of a sudden the next day it balloons to 11. And we've seen how that, you know, continues to, to, things continue to pop up. But, uh, But just by nature, football might be able to maybe spread this out a little bit more since they're only playing once a week and maybe get a little better grip on everything.
4: I don't really put this at the feet of the Marlins though. I mean, this is the country's failing. And if you look at Korean baseball, not that I've been following Korean baseball that closely, but I think they've, they've managed to play without a hitch. Uh, the Bundesliga, which is a fun word to say, and soccer all around. They've been, but, so it's, it's a problem here that this, co- this country, without getting too political, because I know you guys don't want me to get political, but didn't take this seriously enough in the beginning and opened up, I think, too quickly because the original plan was to play baseball in Arizona and Florida, which would have been a great plan because there's all these stadiums where they use for spring training. So they could have done that whole thing without traveling all around the country. But because the virus really hit hard in Florida, really hit hard in Arizona, among other places, they were unable to do that. So I don't, I don't know, Manny, maybe you, you want to throw this at the feet of the Marlins. I just think the virus is no. everywhere in this country right well, now, especially. Not, but
3: yeah, I'm not I'm not blaming the Marlins per se. I think unfortunately the Marlins are a victim of circumstance in the sense that Miami right now is ground zero for this thing. And there's more cases than most places all around the world. And I think that's part of it. But yeah, like you said, the, the Florida-Arizona idea was one thing, but the players didn't want to do it when at the time they didn't know how long the season was going to be. But I think once you had... Once you knew it was going to be 60 games and something you could manage a little better and players weren't going to be away from everyone for as long as a normal length of a season, you probably should have gone to those two site you know, that two-site plan that would have been easier to control.
2: Well, guys, I mean, I, the way I look at it is the Marlins are a victim of circumstance. And I started the segment by saying, did the Marlins just screw things up for everyone else? I, and, and I know some people are looking at it that way, like, here we go, the Marlins, they're going to be the reasons why we don't have sports. But the reality is baseball is going to move on with its season, right? They haven't canceled anything yet. It looks like they're uh, going to try to proceed with the way things are. And, um, you know, they expected to have guys who tested positive for coronavirus. The thing is uh, baseball certainly needs to reevaluate its its formula here because let's let's retrace the steps, right? Jorge Alfaro is the first guy who tests positive For the marlins as far as uh you know being pulled out of the lineup friday opening day the marlins go out and they play two more games and then sunday right before you know jose urania is supposed to start three more guys including urania get pulled uh from the team and we know from from science and what from people have been talking about that as soon as somebody you know tests positive and you've been in contact with them You should go into quarantine and and the way the nba and other leagues have done it has been real simple you you go into quarantine you get you have to pass multiple tests right at least two tests that get negative and you have to be in quarantine to sort of let time pass because you may get a false uh negative for a test right away and i think while the marlins and baseball are conducting tests daily uh that's where the failure is like in other words if you're playing a game every single day it's impossible to really tell who's infected and who isn't, because again, it takes time for those tests to play out. And so the Martin has just continue to operate the way baseball's rules have allowed them to, which is, Hey, you can get up, you can play the next game as long as you, you get a negative test. I think that's where baseball has to reevaluate things. And maybe that's where football can actually have some success because of the fact that you're not playing every day, rather you're playing every week. And I know the format that, uh, you know, college football has been discussing has been, you know, you get tested within 72 hours of the game. Now, the issue is the moment somebody tests positive, how many people were in contact with that person? And, you know, do you immediately sort of have to remove anybody who came into contact with them? Uh, that's the tricky part of all of this. Um, but I think the reason why the NBA and the NHL, and, and even now MLS, even though they had some issues that they dealt with early on, the, the, the reason it's working comes back to one principal issue are players willing to sacrifice and be away from family and friends and be in a bubble environment and baseball isn't and football doesn't look like it's going to do it either. Right. We've heard about college kids going back to campus and and NFL players, they go home to their girlfriends and wives or, or both of them, you know? So I think it's, I think it's a scenario here. That's really tricky. And I don't want to get too, you know, nerdy and scientific, but the bottom line is if you're in a bubble environment and you're giving up on life to be an athlete, that's probably the only way this happens without a hitch because you could be like Lou Williams and, and just get the Jones to eat some chicken wings and go to a, attend a funeral um, and all that. But
3: you, that's, when you no, come that's back, what I wanted
2: to, that's what I did every time I went to Scarlet's. Right. You ate chicken wings. I, I think, uh, I think while, while, while you, uh, while you can take off, you got to the NBA. I mean, Lou Williams is spending 10 days in quarantine. They're not messing around. They're not risking any sort of opportunity for the infection to get inside of that bubble. Baseball's uh, testing, protocols and everything else right now are very dangerous and we heard Miguel Rojas and Dan uh, Don Mattingly talk about that on Sunday after they won so yeah. it, it's just uh, until uh, you know you sort of get into that bubble atmosphere I agree with you Dre I think uh, and, and it's funny Walter you brought up the fact that baseball actually considered doing this going to sort of a bubble atmosphere
4: that was in, the original plan
2: right in Florida yeah. and Arizona and then they scrapped it uh, look the bottom line is I think we, we've now seen why why the NBA, the NHL, and Major League Soccer are doing it and why maybe football needs to consider doing the same thing. All right, guys, uh, we were originally going to start this episode raising the question of who had the best week, the Canes, the Marlins, the Heat, or the Dolphins, and it feels like we know the answer as far as who had the worst week. It's clearly the Marlins. I'm going to go ahead and vote the Hurricanes for the winners this week as far as who had the best week. I know the Jets traded away the best safety in the NFL, and Jamal Adams to the Seahawks. Dolphin fans are celebrating that move. I know the Heat looked uh, really good in their exhibition games, but the Hurricanes landed three commitments in football, including five-star safety James Williams out of Heritage, uh, three-star receiver Brashard Smith out of Palmetto, and three-star defensive end Thomas Davis, who uh, lives up in Georgia. They also got a four-star point guard in basketball on Bensley Joseph. So, Wal-V, I know you bleed orange and green. <laughs> uh, you occasionally suffer the green and orange flu. Do you agree the Hurricanes and Manny Diaz had the best week?
4: You know, let's put the coronavirus on the side. It would have been a really fascinating debate because the Marlins had a great week. And I'm not just talking about winning two out of three from the Phillies, who are supposedly the better team. And they did that on the road, granted, without any offense. But – Major League Baseball announced they're going to have three more uh, playoff teams in each league. So it's actually now harder to miss the playoffs than to make the playoffs. So that in itself would have made this a good week for the Marlins and their chances to make the playoffs. And then you add to that, they, they look pretty scrappy. Uh, Sandy Alcantara looked great opening, opening day. And then the Marlins came back from a 4 nothing deficit and won that game. They, they hit the ball pretty well. So a lot of good things to talk about with the Marlins. Um, but given everything that's happened, yeah, the hurricanes, the hurricanes, everything's going great. The only caveat is these guys haven't signed. So there's that, mm-hmm. uh, they still have to sign in December. Uh, maybe it's better. The hurricanes don't play <laughs> so they don't <laughs> lay an egg and these guys have a, you know, a, a second thought about it. So it is a great week. Um, it, it's interesting, Manny, because you had, you had said, um, previously and had written in the athletic that. The Hurricanes' recruiting was always, or at least historically, have been contingent on them winning. And here's a case where Manny Diaz, give credit where credit is due, has done this great job of recruiting with his, you know, assistant coaches and staff without them coming off a winning season, just a a pretty bad six and seven and embarrassing season. So uh, a lot of credit uh, to him without that momentum of a a great season.
2: No, I was just going to say – that I feel like, uh, with the, in terms of Walter's point of them being contingent on winning, I still believe that. I think the moment they get on the field, that they go in, out and lay an egg. I think the majority of these guys are going to back out. I mean, a big reason a lot of these guys have bought in, including Breshard Smith, uh, was because he believes in Rhett Lashley in the offense. And James Williams, you know, he went up to Georgia uh, on an unofficial visit here during this pandemic, from what I've heard, and and basically uh, didn't feel good there, didn't feel comfortable. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on in our country, right, with uh, with racial injustice and so forth. And, uh, you know, I think staying at home um, is something that players are now warming up to. They see how the Hurricanes have sort of represented themselves when it comes to racial injustice, right? Manny Diaz has been very visible, him and his staff and, and many people at UAM on, on that matter. And I think that's winning over guys as well, on top of the fact that there's COVID-19 and the fear of leaving home. So... But the moment they go out there and they lay an egg, man, that's going to be bad. By the way, Walter, I'm going to plug my other podcast while we're on the air here. I'm going to mention to our listeners to make sure to check out uh, the Wide Ride podcast for The Athletic. And the only reason I bring that up is because I had a couple of assistant coaches from Palmetto come on. And I'm also going to have uh, Thomas Davis, the uh, defensive end, who had 17 nice. sacks last season from Georgia. He'll, the latest Canes commitment. He will be coming on and joining me as well. So. Make sure you check out uh, the Wide Red podcast on the Athletic Dre. Now the floor is yours.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Now, the the Canes are definitely tearing it up in recruiting season. And you look at the Marlins, and I totally agree. Not just the pitching. I know you mentioned Sandy. But even just the approach, the at-bats. Even the game that they lost, you know, they hit into, I want to say, four or five double plays, but they were getting guys on base. It wasn't, you know, strikeout fest. Like, these guys, it looks like the lineup is a lot better. So, if they actually can play – and if they actually aren't playing with re- basically with replacement players, if their regulars are healthy enough to be out there, it looks like a Marlins team that it's only three games, but you can kind of look at them and say, all right, maybe they are going to be more competitive than we thought and might be able to scratch out a few more wins. But I'm going to talk about the heat. I think the heat had a pretty good week. I know it's only two scrimmages, but seeing the way Kelly Olynyk played, that's a player that they're going to have to rely on in a lot of the rotations on the stretch in the playoff run. And it was good to see, you know, the shooting was there. Duncan Robinson, hasn't missed the beat. The guy is proving that that shot is legit and he could be one of the best shooters in the NBA for years to come. The way he just, you know, he hit the floor and, and, and it's just like he picked up right where he left off in March. And then just to get those guys back and playing again, like Bam Adebayo and Kendrick Nunn. I know Coach Spoh is going to have them more, give them more, try to give them more minutes in the final scrimmage against the Grizzlies, you know, before they get ready for the real thing. But to get the group together, Myers Leonard is back. He's in the lineup again, contributing. Tyler Hero also they didn't have the best in, uh, shooting game in terms, of, in terms of the first scrimmage, but you saw the playmaking ability, the way he can distribute the ball a little bit, the way he can, he's going to end up being able to develop and be an even better playmaker down the road. So you start to see the little bits of why there's maybe a little more of a growing sentiment that you know the note, while no one's putting the heat necessarily, not, I don't want to say no one, but not a lot of people think that he can win the title this year. But there's a growing sentiment that they could make some noise in the bubble this year and may potentially go on a pretty good run. Yeah. Duncan
4: the, Robinson, uh, that, that would have been, Manny, if we would have had that argument, that would have been one guy I was certainly wrong about when he first started playing for the, for the Heat. I'm like, who is this guy? Undrafted. But, uh, you know, you should never doubt uh, Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra because they seem to, for a long time now, they get these undrafted players. And like Kendrick Nunn is, is another one. Had a little bit – seemed like a little bit more credentials – uh, Kendrick Nunn, but Duncan Robinson, that one really shocked me that he is not just an NBA player, but a, a real weapon. I did have a couple of Navarro and Andre. Had a, I think, Andre, you already know. Probably both of you guys know the answer to these trivia questions. But one of them is, what's the last time the Hurricanes secured the number one player in South Florida actually signed them? Now, this year, it looks like they're going to do it again with James Williams if he goes through with his commitment. When is the last time they got that done? That's a, that's a pretty easy one.
2: Yeah, um, I, I'm guessing it's either Tracy Howard or Duke Johnson, or it could ding, have ding, been ding, ding, ding.
3: both yeah, of ding, those gentlemen in both. 2012. Okay. Yeah, correct. Okay.
4: Uh, so it's been a long time coming. And then the other great uh, trivia question—it's been out there, I guess, a little bit, but still pretty good. Who is who is the major league baseball player who is making the most money this year?
3: Guy who's not even playing and beloved, and I'm being very sarcastic by Marlins by the Marlins faithful. The Andre great, knows in, this one. the great Wei In Chen, who's still making 22 million off the Marlins payroll. Wow. Isn't that incredible
4: with, with, with Trout and some of these great players that Wei Yin Chen is making the most money in the majors? It
2: is crazy, it is absolutely crazy. Guys, uh, we're going to get to our next segment soon. Uh, a couple of notes, uh, uh, piggybacking off of Andre, I did a uh, Miami Heat preview for the Athletic in terms of the restart. They obviously play their first game Saturday against the Denver Nuggets. Um, one thing to note, and, and you mentioned Duncan Robinson, Miami went from being 21st in the league in three-point shooting percentage last year, Walter shooting, uh, what was it, 30 uh, shade under 35%, to now leading the NBA in three-point shooting percentage, yes. 38%. Wow. And a lot of that is Robinson who's shooting yep. f- close to a 45% clip. couple of notes on how important three-point shooting is for the Heat. They are 30-10 this season when they make at least 13 three-pointers. Okay, that is 30-10 um, when they make 13 three-pointers. That's their league average. And 27-5 and when they shoot better than their league-leading percentage. So when the three is falling for the Heat, they've got a really good chance of winning. You've got to watch here in the early going uh, of the playoffs.
4: Can I ask you a question since you're the Hurricanes expert? Do the Hurricanes get Leonard Taylor? Do they get Tyreek Sapp? Your quick prediction on what, how they well, fill, finish this? Uh, because I'm, I'm definitely going to listen to your wide right podcast. I want to know the answers.
2: Well, I had the uh, in my mailbag this week for the Athletic that ran on Saturday where I answered some questions. Somebody asked me to predict this was after James Williams committed. How, how do you think they used the last six scholarships? And I already got the next two answers right. I said, Brashard Smith uh, and Thomas Davis, the two guys that committed. The, the other guys who I mentioned, I said a quarterback not named um, Jake Garcia. Garcia. I, know, I know the kid that they want out of California badly, but I don't think they get him. I think they're going to get another kid who is either a quarterback transfer or somebody of that ilk uh, who comes along late in the process. I said an offensive lineman who Garen Justice gets. I know that they're pursuing uh, an offensive tackle. So those are two other positions. Um, and then I wrapped it up with um, – uh, who else? Did oh, Leonard Taylor, for sure. I definitely mentioned him. I know that. And hold on. I'm looking at my Sap. No, it was not Tyreek Sapp. Uh, it was the running back. Uh, Amari Daniels out of Miami central mm. um, because I feel like they're, they're going to need another running back. You never know what can happen with injuries and so forth. And, and, you know, right now uh, if, if Cam uh, Harris decides to go pro after this season, which could very well happen, um, you know, he's yeah, a junior he's a draft eligible. That's another spot. And all you have is Donald Cheney jr. And, um, the other kid who they have there, uh, they Nine. spend this, uh, Yeah. Nine. Nine. So I think, uh, I think, you know, they're in position to get another running Mac. So that's the way I predicted it, but uh, we'll see what happens, man. That's my, uh, that's my guess. All right. Let's wrap up this segment really quick. Cause we've got more, a lot more show to get to, uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at front page 305 or Kepasa 305. You can also download us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, uh, and six other major podcast platforms. We have interviews this week with longtime Panthers beat writer George Richards. Plus, we will, what we will talk about on the other side of this break, and that's high school sports and whether or not Miami-Dade County should break off from the FHSA.
0: This is Serious XM 145 Slam Radio.
5: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases: wash your hands, avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
1: Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-hmm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever.
5: Hi. Oh, hey.
1: Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Uh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
0: We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo.
2: Hey, man. It, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga, Manuel Alapola, too, I, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking I'm, I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't matter. You I don't call him that. that. I call him Tunga Vailoa, I don't know whatever you want to call listen, him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga, Manuel Alapola. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga, Manuel Alapola? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tunga Vailoa. Tunga Vailoa. Tunga Vailoa. Tunga vailoa. See? That sounds much better, than that one.
0: Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Series 6M, 145, Slam Radio.
6: I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information, like your Social Security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, Or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General, at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. For
4: every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find.
0: And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
2: Welcome back to the Front Page 305 podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, joined once again by Walter Villa and Andre Fernandez. I like the way you said that, by the way, Navarro. You put a little flash into that 305. I got to throw sassiness. a little flash into it, baby. It's a 305. <laughs> we got swag down here, man. I see that A lot of sassiness. Right. We got to bring him on the show one time, Mr. Sassiness. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Hey, um, so I teased this segment coming out of the last break about high school football and whether or not the Miami-Dade County Public Schools should bounce and say, screw you guys, we're better <laughs> than everybody else. And we're going to break off. A Cartman, screw you yeah, guys. Yeah, it was a little, a little bit of a Cartman in there. Um, and we interviewed, uh, Andre, we interviewed a couple of these guys. Mark Schusterman, who we've known for many, many years. He's now the co-athletic director at Riviera Prep. He's part of the board of directors with the FHSA. And, and, you know, that must-watch TV that we've had the last couple of weeks every time they have a meeting. And then – All Dr. 17 Th- hours of it. Right. And then Dr. Steve Gallen, who is a vice chair on the Miami-Dade School Board, who we reached out to because he proposed the concept of breaking off from the FHSA. Now, look, in the end, we don't know if this was just a scare tactic, right, to get, um, to get the FHSA to, to sort of renege on, on the idea of – we're going to start football July 27th and screw everybody else. That that idea looks like it's out the window. Um, But basically what happened, to summarize what's happened in the last week, the FHSA made that initial decision, then went back on it, used the recommendations from the Sports Medical Advisory Committee, and decided that, okay, we're going to delay the start of fall sports until August 24th. You can practice until then. But as far as affecting the state championships, and when football must start, et cetera, that will be pushed down the road until actually August 17th. Uh, but the 24th, I guess, is the date right now in mind. So they can change their mind before then and push it back further if they wanted to. Either way, the most interesting thing that came out of it to me was the fact that Dr. Gallen, who we interviewed, talked about the fact that, uh, you know, Miami Dade is considering breaking off. And, and basically, what he told us, Dre, is the genie's out of the bottle, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, scare tactic or not. I mean, even as a scare tactic, I mean, Schusterman himself told us, it seems to have worked because it definitely got their attention to at least push it back a month. But, yeah, at this point, it's interesting to hear that this thing could be a matter of time, whether it's now, whether it's in a few months, maybe in a couple of years, but that it's a it's a growing idea and just the the feelings behind all these coaches that they just want to do something different something that's more profitable for the schools too. And that was something interesting in the interview too was just to hear how much, you know, the, the revenue, uh, he used the example of Northwestern, how Northwestern used to take a bunch of people to state and yet they really wouldn't profit from it. In fact, they'd end up in the red most of the time or, or a lot of teams. They're not just North we, we mentioned Northwestern because it would bring a ton of people, but anybody. And if you had your own association, you probably were, would even be able to draw some big name sponsors down here to invest that money and, and really the money would go more toward the kids, toward the, the schools, toward the athletic programs. And you'd really see a benefit, not just now in terms of safety, this is the primary issue now, but in the long run, is this a better move for the high schools, for the Dade County School Board to, to consider when you look at the long-term benefit for, for their athletic programs? All
2: right, well, why don't we listen uh, to uh, some clips here of our interview with Dr. Steve Gallen. And what it would take for Dade County to break off from the FHSA. So, Dr. Gallen, my first two questions to you are, how can Miami-Dade public schools go about withdrawing from the FHSA? Can you take us through the steps to get to that point, how long it might take, et cetera? And then number two, are these proposed measures being taken for uh, a short-term or long-term perspective? In other words, um, the item you put forth for discussion on August 12th, is it solely meant to last until maybe we find a cure for this virus or life gets back to normal in some way?
7: Um, I wouldn't describe it as an either or, as possibly a both and. Uh, As you are aware, this is a a proposal that will be presented to my colleagues on the board, which will require us to take uh, action as a collective board. Uh, What we have come to a a point is that we're actually having this discussion. This Mm -hmm. is not about extending uh, a level of discourse. This is not about engaging in some kind of an agreement. This is really having a frank, candid and very serious discussion about withdrawing from the Florida High School Athletic Association as a school district. Uh, Obviously, this is not uh, based on an isolated incident. This is, uh, quite frankly, what I've described as a consistent dance of disregard, and in some cases, disrespect uh, to Miami-Dade County as a district, to South Florida as a sector of this state. Uh, The Florida High School Athletic Association is really charged with representing students and schools and districts throughout the entire state of Florida. But what we found through this 10 to five vote is what I perceived and what many have concluded was a total dismiss dismissal of what's happening in South Florida with respect to the health, the safety, the welfare, and the competitive opportunities for our students. And to the extent that we've come to this particular point, uh, and again, you indicated they went against the advice of their own science medical advisory committee. So if we can't have the appropriate representation in the midst of science, if we can't have the appropriate representation in the midst of life uh, data, life-saving data, if we can't have uh, the representation in the midst of a recommendation that came from their own advisory committee, then I think it's high time that we have a serious discussion about a withdrawal altogether from the Florida High School Athletic Association. And this may be something that is temporary. This may be something that is permanent, but obviously this is something that we will be discussing at the school board meeting. And I will be proffering an item that will call for a vote of some sort of action that will be beneficial to our students, our community and our schools.
2: Uh, Dr. Gallon, before Andre asks you his question, just in terms of the steps, how would, how would that process take? I mean, is that something you guys would vote on on August 12th um I mean how does that normally sort of go about you know the the process just so that our, our listeners can understand Yeah, because you uh, know sometimes I, people hear a date and they think oh that's it August 12th it's over <laughs> but I, but I, we know from covering this that this stuff always takes a little while longer usually
7: yeah obviously uh I'm part of an elected board, elected uh, by the people in my community, but representing students from Florida City to County Line Road. I have eight other colleagues that also uh, represent their various uh, stakeholder groups and communities. So once we take action as a board, we provide direction to the superintendent to operationalize our positions. So if we make a recommendation, then they obviously have to uh, work with our attorneys, work within the framework of a Florida statute, and related uh, procedural uh, operations. We have to obviously give deference to input uh, from relevant stakeholders, be it coaches, athletic directors, community stakeholders, or relative partners. Uh, there is a process, so you're absolutely right. It doesn't happen immediately, but once the board makes a determination regarding a course of action, that course of action occurs, and we start to move forward. Obviously, the, the number one question is, withdraw to what? Uh, obviously, we've had some discussions Uh, relative to a new entity that can be the umbrella for South Florida high school athletics overall. You have the powerhouses here with Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach. I've also received communications from other uh, representatives from school districts uh, in in other parts of of Florida, Central Florida and Northern Florida, who were uh, totally miffed at this particular decision that did not give any deference did not give any contemplation, and did not quite frankly have any compassion for what we're facing with respect to the high rates of COVID-19 in our respective communities.
2: All right, so we just heard what uh, Dr. Gallon had to say. Walter, uh, you were in on the interview with uh, Mr. Schusterman, coach uh, Mark Schusterman, who was at Gulliver Prep for many, many years, and now he's part of the FHSAA's board of directors. Our conversation was primarily about what the FHSA is going to do next. Uh, it's pretty clear that Schusterman is all about the safety and health of uh, student athletes, coaches, teachers, everybody involved. Uh, I know that he's got sort of a rival there on the FHSA board of directors, uh, a coach out of uh, Hitchka, right? Is that how we pronounce you it? hitchka I finally yeah.
3: nailed it. Like uh, the six times he didn't nail it off, off this podcast. Right. Um,
2: and and so he's got a rival up there who's like, hey, we want to start football uh, on, you know, on time. And I understand there's other parts of the state that aren't dealing with really, really high COVID numbers. But uh, Schusterman's got a point uh, in terms of
3: fighting for what he wants. Well, Coach, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about just what's going on. I mean, the FHSAA, you know, initially – I know decided to not you know delay the start of the football season, despite the recommendations from the committee saying that it would probably be more prudent to do that right now. But yesterday uh, on Thursday, there was a the emergency meeting and looks like a decision was made to, to actually push it back to, I believe August 24th is the date. Um, yes. I guess, tell us a little bit about just, you know, the meeting yesterday and, and the decision to do that and just, is that kind of just it doesn't seem still like enough time just the way that, you know, the, the situation we're in right now, the cases are still so high around the state, especially in South Florida. But um, how much how much does that help to at least get that month, you know, to to get a little bit of that, that cushion to be able to, you know, hopefully between now and then the situation maybe improves a little bit and you're able to at least start putting in, you know, some guidelines in place to be able to start trying to get toward a season.
6: The, the, the thought there is, number one, to delay and see what transpires.
3: Mm.
6: Let's, let's see what grows. Um, let's see what stati- statistics come out. I mean, we're in a situation where Florida, well, remember a month ago, it was Dade, Broward, Palm Beach County. Now it has moved across the state. There are seven um, counties in, D- in uh, Florida, which are in the top 50 in the United States in, in uh, COVID exposure. So you're talking about where once we were looking at South Florida, the virus doesn't worry about geography. It's it's moving all over the state.
3: Yeah. And, and you mentioned that too, because, you know, some people think, oh, in the major metro- metropolitan areas like Miami, but you pointed out, I think in the first meeting that I think it was a Scambia County, like some of the rural areas have been hit hard as well. So this is something that's affecting whether you're in a rural area of the state or if you're like us like we live in like a major metropolitan area like Miami isn't it?
6: oh yes no it, it's moving throughout the state the numbers especially in the last month have, have been uh, multiplying at a very quick rate
2: what grabbed you most about the interview with him you, you were part of that with me and Andre well guys I, I
4: Manny with you I, I get the sense you want anarchy I get the sense you were interested in this breakup of uh, the FHSA and South Florida teams doing their own thing. I am against that just because I think that, and I think Schusterman agreed with me when I, at least what he told me when I posed a question. Um, I, I think that, I think the South Florida teams would lose a lot if, if you were to break off from the rest of the state and not have a state championship anymore, not be able to test themselves against the best teams from the central Florida area, from North Florida, I still think that's a cool thing. We grew up on the state championships and I think look, they're using they're they're exercising their muscle here and getting better financial terms and I'm all for that. But in the end, I would like there still to be a state championship and not just South Florida doing its own thing.
3: Well, what if here's the interesting part. I know I know the the instinct is to think that it's going to be only a Dade Broward Palm Beach Federation of sorts, but there's been a lot of support for for everything for you know, leaning towards more safety from the Orlando area, from the Tampa area. We heard that from Schusterman himself. I wonder if there's even some sort of a breaking off that involves other parts of the state as well, not just South Florida. And maybe that creates a little more of a true state championship. And you and and you're right, you don't lose that ability to say, all right, we left our little area. Let's see how good we are against, you know, the Melbourne or the Orlando teams or the Tampa teams and that sort of thing.
4: Yeah, because I think the South Florida teams, Dayton Brower teams, have always been motivated to prove that they're the best, and not just in Florida, but in football. They've, Andre, you know this. They've gone all over, and teams have come here to to play teams from mm-hmm. from various states. and And my money is always on the Dayton Brower teams.
2: Well, I, I think there's a couple issues here, Walter. One, um, you know, the South Florida teams, and, and we talked about this uh, with a couple different people last week. Uh, Andre and I did, but I, I think you know, financially, look, the coaches get paid among the worst rates in the country. Um, they don't stick around here very long. The moment a college job comes along, um, the facilities really, without donations from former players, NFL guys who come back and sort of fork over, you know, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars to upgrade the facilities. Um, you know, the gyms are 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 not great and up to date for these kids to work out in. And, and so I think it behooves um, the people who are running sports here in, in, in Dade County and in the school board to strike up a deal with Under Armour or Nike or whoever it is to help funnel in more money and get a TV deal for high school sports down here. In Orlando, they have a lot of games. Rock, what is that, on Spectrum? What's the what's the cable network, Dre? That covers yeah, them?
3: Spectrum. Spectrum Sports. Yeah.
2: Right. It used, I mean, it used to be Bright House before. Right, Bright House before. So, I mean, to me, that's the number one thing the high schools have to do here is they've got – all the state champions. I mean, seven out of the eight state champions are from South Florida last year. They've got all the top recruits. Yes, there are parts of the state, Jacksonville, Tampa, Orlando, that occasionally have, you know, players that that go on to do great things. I'm not saying all of the best players come out of South Florida, but certainly year in and year out, the top recruits do. And, you know, it seems like they're just not doing a good enough job monetizing. Uh, and making money off of these athletes, uh, you know, the, the way that they do in college sports, right? I mean, <laughs> they certainly know how to, how to make money in college sports off TV contracts. Why can't they do that with high schools? And so I'm interested to see what Steve Gallon and, and these people are able to sort of do to help the high schools down here because I do feel like it, it's been long needed that they figure out a way to, to infuse more money into the athletic programs down here. Let's face it, if you're not a private school like – a St. Thomas Aquinas or a Columbus or a Gulliver or some of these schools that, that have more money to work with, you're going to struggle. And, and, and I've seen a lot of these inner city schools win in spite of the fact that their facilities are not great, Dre, agree or disagree with that?
3: Oh, I, I absolutely. I mean, I, I've lost count how many people I've talked to that. I've said how much money you could get out of, out of having, you know, some sort of live streaming consistently here where weekly you bring in the best games and people will watch. I think there's a market for that. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous that year in and year out, the last, I don't know how many, it's been now, in seven, eight years, all the teams from down here are winning the championships and no one can watch the state tournament on TV anymore because the contract is up there and you're only being able to see, you know, through spectrum up in central Florida and maybe North Florida, some parts of North Florida. But down here, the tri-county area can't even see their teams win state championships. So I think that's long overdue for sure. And, and the facilities, we know, I mean, you you don't have to go very far until you're driving on the highway and you're seeing middle schools that have way better stadiums than, than a lot of the schools, the high schools and the traditionally long time high schools down here that, that don't have even close uh, the kind of setup that those do. All
2: right, guys, I want to transition really quick before we get to our final segment uh, where we talk about behind Las Cortinas and, and several current events here that Walter lined up as part of our original show before we kind of, pivoted here a little bit to some other topics because of what's been happening in baseball uh, and with COVID-19. We did get a chance to talk to George Richards, who covers the Florida Panthers. Uh, He did for a long time for the Miami Herald, came back, did it for the Athletic, and, and now he's doing it for his own website and doing his own podcast. But we got a chance to catch up with George and ask him some pressing questions regarding the Panthers. We're about to open up Uh, what would be, I guess, a uh, playoff round against, uh, what is it, the New York Islanders? The Islanders, yeah. Right, and and that's going to be happening here soon. Uh, We talked to him. Here's a segment from our uh, conversation with George about the Panthers.
4: So the Panthers are going right into it. They're playing uh, an Islanders team. As you know, they're very stingy in giving up goals. Um, And, you know, what are the chances that, that the Panthers can can pull this off and, and beat the Islanders. Well, I think it's a whole new
1: season. I mean, and and, and people have been asking for my prediction, and I, and I don't want to be that guy to just say I don't know, but I don't know. I mean, you know, if 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 they would have played this first round at the end of last season, I would have taken the Panthers uh, just because I thought the Panthers were playing better at the end of the year than the Islanders were. Uh, but the Islanders have gotten some key guys back health wise. Um, they're a well-coached team, they run a system, um, and, uh, you know, although they struggled, I, you know, I think if the fin- if the season would have played out, I don't think the Islanders would have made the playoffs, so they, they've got, you know, kind of a new life, I mean, everybody talks about the Panthers slipping in, but with 13 games left, they were only three points out with, you know, a game against Toronto and a game in hand against Toronto, so they were right there and, and playing pretty good Pretty good down there at the end, so um, I know it's a small sample size, but I would have picked Florida over the Islanders then. But now I don't know. I mean, because because you've got a goalie in Sergei Bobrovsky, who traditionally doesn't get off to a good start to his season. And guess what? This is the start to a season because they've been off for four months. This is like – this is a whole new season. What happened last year I don't think even really matters for the Boston Bruins, for the Tampa Bay Lightning, or for the Florida Panthers. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see how these teams react when they get on the ice and have to play someone because they got one – preseason game they're playing an exhibition against tampa bay and then boom their season's on the line three days later so um in in a short series against a a very talented and determined team and like you said they don't give up a lot of goals florida before the end of the year were playing a loosey-goosey style where they thought that they were going to score five or six every game and if they didn't they lost so um I think they may have figured that part of it out. And if that's the case, if they figured out that's the way they got to play, they'll be all right.
2: All right, guys. So you heard from George Richards. The best stuff we got from George actually wasn't even about the Panthers, it was uh, his behind Las Cortinas segment. We'll come back with that right after this.
7: Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua to Tungle by Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This
6: is Michael, the playmaker everything. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to
7: Slam, Slam Radio. Radio.
6: Serious XM,
7: yeah.
2: The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi.
1: Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, He's been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. And my love for him was just immense.
2: When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association
3: and the Ad Council.
0: We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. And then I'd have one more question for him.
4: Did you take steroids?
6: Down. Did you take steroids?
0: Good morning, amigo. Weekdays 7 to 11, only on Series XM 145 Slam Radio.
5: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
0: And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
2: All right, welcome back to the final segment of Front Page 305. I'm Manny Navarro, uh, joined once again by Walter Villa. And Andre Fernandez, uh, coming out of the last break, we talked about uh, behind Las Cortinas. And, you know, on the show, we like to give you a lot of the um, behind the scenes uh, looks uh, of what we've done in the past as far as journalism is concerned, covering games, what it's like as journalists to go on the road, the best cities for food. We talked a lot about that with George Richards, actually, because him and I uh, can pound food and and pound beers, (laughs) uh, as you both know. Um, But uh, the best part I thought of our interview really was George sharing this story about an interesting time he showed up at his hotel and what happened next.
4: I got one last one for you, and this is going to put you on the spot a little bit. But we do a little thing here on on our podcast, on our broadcast. We call it Behind Las Cortinas. And you've lived in South Florida long enough probably to know Cortina means curtains. Behind the curtains, what's your funniest or best story of something like something that happened in the locker room that you saw that, that was uh, funny or something that, you know, you're privy, you have that press pass, you have a, you have a great uh, story from the locker room and something funny that you saw or maybe, I don't know, you've interviewed so many compelling characters, John Tortorella you mentioned in, in Columbus or any of the guys with the Hurricanes, the Panthers, what's your best uh, locker room story? Put you on a spot, I know.
1: Um, I've got one. That I really can't tell. That, that that that's one of my
4: favorite ones. Um, Come on, I, man! It's on I, page
1: 305, baby. Come on. I, yeah, I,
4: I can't. Let's uh, call your lawyer. Let's see if you can get that one. They they did the same thing to me. I wanted to tell one of my better D. Like, okay, all right. I, I can leave names out. Okay, so
1: so I'm at I'm at a uh, I'm at a hotel bar. I love it already. I'm at a hotel bar. Okay. We're hanging out, and we you know these you know. Two young ladies are sitting there and, you know, we're sitting nearby, we're talking a little bit and they're talking to each other and, you know, I hear, start hearing them talking and I hear- Speak a little
4: more slowly, George. I'm enjoying the story. I hear uh, (laughs)
1: some recognizable names and uh, so I start really listening in and and they're like, yeah, they're in room 421 and- uh, (laughs) You know, so we'll be heading up there in a minute uh, and they get another glass of Chardonnay or whatever. And I'm kind of laughing because I hear both and I'm like, hey, you know, good for them. So I walk <laughs> away and I get my phone and I call one of the guys and I say, um, hey, listen, hey, it's George from the Miami Herald. Um, listen, I just got a call from my editor and we got an open page that I've got to fill and I got to write a story right this second. Would you mind if I came up to your room right now and we could sit down and do a quick interview so I can, you'd be saving me. You'd be really saving me. And, and uh, right, right now, you want to do this right now. Uh, yeah do you mind I mean I, I'm, I'm in the lobby I can come right up you know we're in the same hotel you're
4: a bad man George oh yeah yeah yeah
1: so so I look him you know for a minute and I'm like now nah, I'm just messing around have a good night uh, I'll see you later I'll see you tomorrow <laughs> and the next day they're like you knew all along
4: like, oh, yeah, I knew what's going on <laughs> <laughs> ought to be a rich NHL player oh, yeah man.
1: The, the good old days baby the good old days
2: Hilarious story from George Richards. Walt V, I know you loved it. I was uh, clinging to every word, hanging on every word. <laughs> uh, a lot of fun uh, catching up with George Richards. Be sure, uh, this is my, my reminder to tell you that to uh, go to um, front page 305 on Twitter and on QuePasa305 on Twitter to, to uh, find our links to our segments and everything that we do on the podcast. Um, all right, now we're going to wrap up the show with what originally was part of Walter's script, and that's in the news. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the many things that are sort of
3: – should have a jingle. In the news.
2: I know. May- news, maybe I can – job. You're the jingle guy. Maybe I can create it post-production. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, that's an Andre that always makes me laugh with his uh, offbeat All right. stuff. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through several issues here. You guys spit out your thoughts as, as they come to you. LeBron says – the Black Lives Matter movement is not a movement; it's a lifestyle. Wall V, I'm gonna LeBron, one of my favorite players, but I'm gonna
4: disagree with him here because he's talking about being black is is how you he says you wake up and every day. But I think the Black Lives Matter. There were a lot of white people on there, a lot of people of all uh, pigmentations, shall we say? So I, I think it is a movement. I'll disagree with uh, brother LeBron on this one.
3: I think, it's, I think it's become a movement, obviously. But I, um, I, I sort of get what he's trying to say that every day you have to continue to fight for social justice and you have to like live your life by it. That's what I took from it. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily slamming the fact that it's a movement now and it's drawn so much support. But I think just every day you have to just have that mindset and have to just live your life that way.
2: Dr. Fauci's opening day ceremonial uh, first pitch uh, was just a bit outside. But, hey, the Marlins are looking for pitchers now among this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Could he start for the Marlins, Andre?
3: Fauci's not the fifth starter already as of, t- as of the other day? I don't know. It do might you, be. I mean,
2: at this point, will be?
3: that was a <laughs> terrible throw. But I went
4: back and looked. Uh, they, there was something online that had the 10 worst opening day pitches. 50 Cent, you might remember, was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. There's, there's been a lot of bad was ones. It? But I thought – I'm sorry? Baba Bui was one of them too, right? Bafafui was terrible. But I think the worst one for me was a guy named John Wall, your point guard for the Washington Wizards, because he's actually a professional athlete who throws a basketball. Okay, not a baseball, but he has to throw an overhand pass every now and again, and it was horrific. So I'm going to give Fauci a pass on this. He's not an athlete.
3: John Wall, who in Little Havana is known as Juan Paré. Exactly. Blue Jays
2: will make their debut in Buffalo August 11th against the Marlins. Canada doesn't want anything to do with Major (laughs) League Baseball. Walter, uh, a good or bad decision for them to play uh, near Niagara Falls? Well, they're looking smart, uh,
4: Canada. Canada's handled the the virus very well, and and that's why I've given the NHL a chance. Who
3: knows what's going to happen? August 11th with the Marlins, who knows? Yeah, that's a lot of time between now and then with what's going on right now with the Marlins. I mean, the Marlins are definitely day-to-day at this point. We'll see. I mean, I, they have to play somewhere, right? I mean, they, they got to get these games in, so I'm, I'm all for it. I like the fact that Pittsburgh was nice enough to loan them the ballpark or try to you know, recently as well.
2: Mike Florio from NBC Pro Football Talk said the Dolphins could have a package for Tua and use their first four games of the regular season as his tryout since we won't have exhibition games thoughts.
3: Andre, you want to lead off on that one? Yeah, I I like it. I mean, anything you can do to get that kid on the field, I mean, get his feet wet, get get something going. And and it'll be exciting to see, too. I mean, the last time the Dolphins did some sort of notable, I guess, package, if you want to call it, was, I remember the Wildcat. And I remember how that revolutionized the season. Actually gave them, an you know, they won the division because of it. I know it was a gimmick and then they regressed later, but it was fun to watch that entire year. It was definitely fun to watch them beat up on the Patriots that first game that they unleashed it with Ronnie Brown. In this case, it's even more useful because you're getting your star of the future on the field. You're getting him reps. And if just in case something happens to Ryan Fitzpatrick, guess what? There you go. He's already been, he's already had that moment. He's already broken the ice a little bit and he's on the field.
4: Yeah, I I agree with Andre. I think, uh, and Manny, you had said that with the Marlins, you wanted the young players to play. And I disagree with you a little bit But in this case, it's all about Tua. Whenever he's healthy, whenever he's ready, you, you put him in there. Maybe you start with with a, a couple of uh, series, and then. but I'm going to him as quickly as possible.
2: I'm, I have a package for Tua. It's called 2021. <laughs> all right. NHL.com ranks right. Mike Sullivan of the Penguins, the number one coach in the league, and Joel Kenneville. Quenneville? Quenneville. Quenneville of the Panthers, number two. That tells you how much I pay attention I, I can tell to. Walter,
3: and i are going to have to carry the hockey conversation here. Certainly.
2: We're going to have to get uh, our, our buddy George Richards on here every week to talk about them. Uh, Joe Quenneville of the Panthers, number two. Do they know something I don't? I mean, I know this dude's a Hall of Famer, but uh, aren't the Panthers in 12th place?
4: Well, now's proving time right now. Uh, if, if he can pull a miracle this year, then
3: he deserves that. So we shall see. Yeah, I think TBA also. We know we know his reputation, but like Walter said, I mean, go on a little bit of a playoff run here before we start anointing him coach of the year.
2: It was just an exhibition game, but Alyssa Nacken of the San Francisco Giants became the first woman in the 144-year history of the majors to be an on-field coach as she coached first base. So it was not Melissa Artiago. Dre, your thoughts.
3: <laughs> very, Very sad for <laughs> Melissa that she didn't get that opportunity. But no... I like it. I mean, exhibition, who cares? Uh, you get this out. I'm sure there's going to be, there's the start and there's going to be more and it's just in sports in general. Like I like seeing Becky Hammond coaching the Spurs, you know, seeing I, that, you know, just, point. just to move forward and that sort of thing. So I, I, I liked it. I love seeing that. Melissa Arteaga, but also Judy Irwin. We can nominate
4: Kelly Sacco. There's a, there's a few women in South Florida who uh, we yeah. nominate for that. A lot of
3: great date softball players.
2: Cooper Manning's son, Arch. Is that right? Archie? It's not Archie? It's Arch? It's just
3: Arch. Arch. Arch, it's gotta be wow. different.
2: Is a star high school QB as a sophomore. 6'3", 190 through 34 touchdowns as a freshman. Uh, should they uh, already, the NFL be planning for him to be the next number one <laughs> pick, or what's the deal?
4: I mean, the bloodlines there are really strong with, uh, I mean, who's got stronger bloodlines than Archie Manning? Maybe Rick Barry, who had four kids going to the NBA. Uh, you got to like uh,
3: the kids' chances. Why am I thinking of that Family Guy skit when um it was like Peyton uh, threw uh, – th- no, Eli threw three touchdowns. Well, Peyton threw four. Well, Cooper got new credit card. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The
2: NHL 2021 expansion team was awarded to Seattle, and they came up with a nickname. It's called the Kraken. I love it. All right. They've set a new franchise record or merchandise sales uh, for a new team with 12 minutes – Within 12 minutes, they put up uh, season tickets on sale, and they got deposits from 10,000 people. 40,000 people are on the waiting list. Uh, I think uh, I think it's time to move
3: to Seattle and, and cover hockey, right, Andre? Uh, absolutely, I, I think so. I, I love the logo too. The logo looks tight, and it's really cool. Like the 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 color scheme kind of fits with you know the Seahawks and Mariners, the same look for a lot of these Seattle teams. I think you know you can have Jack Sparrow swinging around and slicing off uh, you know pieces of the octopus there if you want, and the in the crowd, you get creative with this thing, and I like it. I think we should have Carolina uh, back uh, to discuss this. I'm sure she uh, she's loving this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she can look at this to give us the fashion the fashionista like kind of perspective of like does she right. like the logo? You well,
7: know, what after is,
3: what's what's the kraken? Is the kraken from, from from another world or is it from from here from Earth? Manny, when's the last time you heard an expansion team with a name this good? I mean, it's been a
4: while.
2: Uh, the I mean, wild. Minnesota Wild. I thought that was a great nickname. You thought
4: you liked the Minnesota Wild. I, I like the Kraken. Uh, that's that's going to be a success.
2: All right, Bull Bull, a seven foot two rookie for the Nuggets, made his NBA exhibition debut. Sixteen points, ten rebounds, six blocks. Uh, I don't know if he did any finger wags, uh, but he he could have been a lottery that's, pick in twenty twenty. Ended up with a foot injury that caused him to slide to the second round.
4: I mean, anybody with a name so named so right he had to do it twice bull bull I mean how did the heat miss out on this
3: kid the second round pick bull bull victor victor yeah yeah any any anything like that I mean anything, anything that's where it's like bull squared yeah He's,
2: they never they never thought about naming Andre Andre or at least Andre Anduhar I mean That's that's, his, na- that's his new nickname Anduhar um Mookie Betts worth 365 million over 20 uh, over 12 years yes or no hell no
4: way too much money, way too many years. Those, those deals
3: never work out. No. Yeah. Well that, that's the whole segment. I think we even had a segment on that last time about no one should be paid for 10, 12 years at this point. Is he, if you're going to give it to one of them, he's in that pantheon with trout and Harper and Machado. Yes. But yeah, just that we've established that that kind of a time frame. It's kind of ridiculous because, you know, guys are going to break down before that that uh, contract is up way before.
2: All right, so we've seen several people start to do this, uh, but the Seattle Storm took no questions about their game the other day, only answered uh, questions about Brianna Taylor and Black Lives Matter. I understand the NBA is trying to push, uh, and the WNBA is trying to push the, the important racial issues to the forefront, but at what point do – Does the league step in and say, hey, uh, you you also got writers and reporters and people in the media trying to do their job? Or is it a smart thing that they're doing?
3: Well, I mean, if it was the one time, let's say the opening game, I understand you want to bring, you know, awareness to it as you continue to do that, you know, these days. But I mean, if they're going to do that every single time, I think at some point they'll talk about basketball as well. And, you know, and obviously like you said, reporters get, have, have to do the job and have to you know, report what's going on.
4: Manny, I was actually watching that game, uh, one of the, maybe one of the few, but I watched about three WNBA games this, this past weekend. And I'm definitely in favor of the movement. It's long past time, the Black Lives Matter movement, but it did hit me as over the top. It was, it was hitting you over the head like a sledgehammer. And like Andre says, let's see if, it, if uh, they dial it down a bit. I think it's a it's a it's a worthy cause but you have a, you have you run the risk of people just changing the channel and just hitting them so over the head with this topic that it's a bit much.
2: All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Andre Walt V, thanks for being a part of it. Front Page 305 will be back soon.
0: The views and opinions expressed on Front Page 305 are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.